All right, welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today, we have Brian Kozlowicz. Did I do that right? Kozlowicz. Yeah, okay, close, close enough. enough. You know, you can slap me if you can through the microphone, but uh, the director of IT at Juice Press, which is really cool. We actually connected a while back, but haven't had a chance to do this show in some time when you were over at Hale and Hardy Soups, which sounds pretty good right oh. about now. You know, so it's, yeah. it's always interesting to see the the history of like the the IT history, how you go from there, there's always like this usually most people stay in the same type of type of industry. I guess we would call you, I mean, what do we call this industry? Like retail food? I mean, what do we call it? It's uh, retail. Quick service QSR market, really. Oh, QSR. It's cool. Quick service restaurant. So I guess first question, which is always fun. Were you around um, on this earth during the dawn of the internet? So I was... A wee lad when when the internet <laughs> first first bloomed, I guess, right? Okay. Um, we we I draw remember, a line on this show. Yeah. We draw a line on this show. There's, oh, yeah. a, there's those people that worked in IT prior to the internet, and the people that worked in IT <laughs> after the internet, and then just you know it, it 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 brings up a whole line of questions like, do you really value? Do you really value what IT does nowadays? Did you really learn and like have to go through what we went through? But but anyways, go ahead. So what was your yeah, I guess so, first first experience with a computer? My first experience with the internet was actually when my sister introduced me to it. She she sat me down in front of this this box looking device mm. and logged me into this AOL web browser mm. and said, "Hey, now you have to sit here and wait to be queued in to do whatever you want to do." Okay. And, and I was like, I, I I don't know what this is. So I'm I'm sitting at this I'm sitting at this desk. I'm looking at this monitor, and I, I, I'm seeing I'm twelve of of fifteen, and then the number just keeps getting higher, and then I'm in queue, and I finally get in, and I, I don't know what to do. I, I've never seen this thing before. So she shows me like the the small little games that they had back then, or like small web searches that you could do, and things of that nature. And at the time, I was kind of like, can I can I just go watch TV? Uh, and then it didn't really spark an interest to me until much later on when my mother bought me my first le- my first computer tower, which mm. then I ripped apart and rebuilt on mm. the same night, and I've been hooked ever since. Mm. And, th- and there you go. Behind every great man is a mom and a woman. Yeah. See, in your case, sister and mom, which is yeah. pretty cool. What does your sister do now? Um. That is a great question. <laughs> okay, never mind. We don't always we don't always have to go there, but I'm just you know it's not IT. It's it, not technology. It's kind of it's kind of IT. She she she's demand creation. Um, she secret. works for she works for Annexter. Okay, she's been working for Annexter for years. Uh, she's worked her way from I, I, I think. Uh, from sales all the way up to like a head of her own department type thing, selling cat cabling, coax cabling, mm. anything, any, anything you can think of really. Mm. So, I mean, that counts. Look, she introduced yeah. you into this world and I don't know whether you would thank her for that or not, but she did. Absolutely. Yeah. And so really cool. So you logged into AOL. I'm assuming it was dial up. It was dial up. I remember the tones going off the thing. Mm. Mm. So, what 
I guess we we made some kind of jump from there, like because a lot of people are always asking, like, how do I get into IT? How do I get into this? How do I start my career here? And nowadays, it's a lot different than it was than it was back then. Then it was just kind of like, hey, I've got experience doing this, and other people are like, well, I don't know how to do that at all, so you're hired. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was the I guess what was the big kind of jump for you? Where you, did you end up going to school or college, and what was the what was the career path for you? So I actually landed my first IT role when I was in high school, and it was for my high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the audiovisual aid. I was responsible for VCR players, DVD players, laser disc players, mm-hmm. thirty-five millimeter reel uh, film. That dates you, it, yeah. It does date me. And, and ha- being in that role in, in a technology-driven universe that, that we were really in, it showed. It really made me appreciate the, the old style of equipment and being able to really tend to it and clean it so that it still worked today. Because in a high school environment, it, even though we are where we are technology-wise, they still use a lot of analog stuff. They use, still use the VCR players. They still use the LaserDisc players. They still use reels and, and, and things of those nature. So I needed to learn quick and figure out how to manage all of that equipment and, and keep it up to date and keep it proper so that it continue to work after years of being used. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what got me into really the technical aspect of it. And then doing that throughout my high school career, I eventually went into a college program for PC support and network administration, um, uh, graduated from there, and then continued my education at Berkeley, uh, where I, I didn't finish, but it, it gave me a great understanding of the business aspect of it because I was going for business administration. Um, and I just continued my education after that just by learning from people that were there before me. Well, Bill Gates didn't graduate college either. My brother was in his class. Go. My brother was in his class at Harvard. Really? In Harvard, yeah. My brother went on to be, uh, he went to like start his own computer software company or something in Germany. At the time, I was a creative writing English major, so I didn't know any of this stuff. But uh, I was on dial-up. So... I mean, I have this argument all the time. Does it really matter if it was me and I was in a huge startup and it was really, really important? What would matter to me is the guy that can get the job done, the guy that's smart and really knows what he's doing. That's what matters to me. And we have that debate a lot on the show. Do do certifications matter? And I think the answer is always sometimes, maybe, because it depends on, you know, is there a company that you really want to work with and you have to have all these certifications to even be looked at, right? Or do you have to have an MBA to even do this? I personally think if you really want to be at a fun, exciting company, and I think skills is what matters in an ability to demonstrate those skills. Uh, but you do have to be able to speak the language of business and understand what drives the business. So I guess with with that being said, what, where did you learn your financial, I guess, what kind of financial speak and influencing upper management and managing the budget, how much does that play into your role? Um, it, it's probably a good 80% of, of my day-to-day now looking at our costs and finding ways or solutions to cut them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I learned that I learned a great lesson from a store manager uh, when I was working from Wal- when I was working at Walgreens. The the ability to look at cost of goods and the increase in price to see what your 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 real um, gross was after it, but that lesson instilled me the ability to really look at everything as a picture and see, okay, we can cut this by adding this because this program does the three features that that program does. And this other program does, and now we can drop those two and bring this one on at a lesser cost. Right. And then how does that flow through to the rest of the company, I guess, as far as, because then this will also allow us to cut labor in this area, which will affect the largest control cost on the P and L and those type of things. Yeah. Uh, so one of the one of the biggest things that we we did t- that I did at Juice Press was bringing in a third party aggregator that would take all of our online orders and directly push them into the POS system, hmm. uh, and that saved us labor from the employees having to look at six or seven different tablets, having to read six or seven different printouts, hmm. and then manually putting that into the POS system so that we know not only the sale happen, but also the inventory can come out, right? And we can track that properly. And then we can do the automated PAR systems properly, mm. so forth and so on. I and love aggregators. It, I love aggregators. Right? Now, when you say really aggregator, fast. but this was like an aggregate, I've never actually thought of that. So you're basically telling me like an application aggregator or like a, like a, I don't know, like an Uber and an Uber Eats and a Yelp and whatever. And are you saying that you aggregated all that into one? That type of Correct. thing? Correct, yeah. We, so we aggregated all of those orders into one platform that then has a direct integration into our POS system so that it automatically pushes into the POS. Yeah, and that's it a automatically prints out on our, on, our print, on our print tickets like any other order would have been done if we manually yeah. integrated them. That's a... We should reverse engineer that. There should be an aggregator for the end user. Because you know how... <laughs> uh, no, there should. Uh, I mean, you know how people organize their apps on their cell phone all differently? I hate... How my wife organizes her apps because I just I can't if I pick up her phone I need to use it I'm like where the heck is your camera or like you know how much anyways but I have a food one right and it's like you know this reveals someone like what's like if you pick up your food apps on your cell phone like it tells you what kind of per- like on mine is Five Guys Chipotle Dairy Queen McDonald's yeah that's an evil one but it's there I mean no there's nothing wrong with McDonald's why am I saying that I love you Sonic Chick Fil A Jimmy John's Papa Gino's. We got that in the you Northeast. So many different, you have yeah, so many different apps. Yeah, yeah I'm going then, on Page Over, yeah. Yelp, Raising Canes, Bird Code, Buffalo Wow. Can we just aggregate it for the end user? That would be great. Well, that's, I mean, that's what Uber Eats and Postmates and Grubhub and Steve True. Work, that's all they do. True. For all those types of aggregates for those, for those other ordering platforms that want to run delivery. Mm. You know, we're just taking, we're, we're doing that next step that, that really needed to be built out. Even if it costed more, even if it costed parties. more, yeah, yeah. Even, did that aggregator end up costing more or costing you something, but it still saved a ton and labor and time and headache. And there's gotta be a huge it, ROI. It saves that. us, it saves us in labor and it narrows down the miss on our inventory counts. Mm. Right. Because if you, if you have an end user looking at a receipt paper, ringing in the items, they may, there's a human error that may miss a, a modifier that doesn't mm. come out of inventory. And then if you miss enough modifiers that don't come out of inventory, you're left over with an extra bag mm. or you're missing an extra bag. 
here's the question. How did we find that aggregator? How did you get end up getting connected with them? Was it through executive management first or was it through you? It, so for this company, it was through me. Um, the, I used the, use the same aggregator at, at Hale and Hardy, mm-hmm. uh, which was introduced to me by the POS company that we were switching to. Boom. All right. So there's the value of stealing an IT director from another company and bringing them to yours. <laughs> I don't know if that's what happened. I don't know if that's what happened. I'm just throwing that out there, but like for recruiters, you know, yeah. hey, we're going to, because a lot of the jobs of recruiters, a good recruiter in the IT field, if they're good, not just like the ones that call you like every single day, they're like, hey, I got a role. Are you interested? Um, the good recruiters find the competition and then they go take the really good IT director from the competition and bring them over somewhere else. That's just, yeah, that's just the truth of the world. I'm not saying it's the right thing, but that, that's, that's what's happened. That's what happens. So you took known knowledge as an IT director, brought it to a company, saved them money, saved them labor, and it had nothing to do with a shadow IT decision. It had nothing to do with upper management saying, hey, we're using this new ERP. Can you please implement it? Which is always a nightmare. And I've yet to have an e- I've yet to see an ERP implementation that's not a nightmare. Um, but here's direct correlation from IT management affecting the bottom line in a positive manner, which is a, a it's a business case. Yeah. So congratulations. I just want to say congratulations. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, now, but here's the thing. You had to sell that, I'm assuming at some point. Was this like a new thing? Was this in the budget? Was this known? Was this something that you got, went in and said, hey guys, um, we need to fix this process. How did you find Broken? Can you walk me through the process and then how you had to bring that to... I'm assuming you had to present something to executive management and get a sign off on it or get approval or did you just do it and say, hey guys, we did this. Like You can um, thank, thank me later. So it kind of fell in line with the reason why Juice Press kind of hired me. Okay, cool. Right. They, they brought me on to one handle their day in and day out IT issues. Uh, but secondary, look over all of what IT is and find solutions to one, make your day-to-day operations easier and to cut the costs. Uh-huh. Um, and I knew this worked from my last company. Um, and I suggested it to my COO. Um, he seemed to like the idea and then we just, the ball was rolling and we just kept it rolling. And and now this is where we are. Did they know this was a problem? Did they know the problems that they had or did they just say, Hey, look, our IT is getting overwhelming for us. We know we probably have issues or we have problems. Did they know the specifics of their problems or did you kind of undig those up? As I joined the company, I feel that the problem was known, but nobody knew a solution for it. Mm. And then when I brought it, I brought up a solution. They were like, "Oh my god, this fixes this problem. Let's 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 roll with it and, and see how well it goes." It's great. Um, what did it increase your budget buying this aggregation platform? Yeah, and how did you make that? sale to executive management was there like an roi that you did some sort of calculation or i I think the 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 real return on investment was just the ability to reallocate labor to 
properly creating smoothies, properly talking to our customers, and properly mm. making sure the shelves are filled with 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 items. Nice. You know, the, the, in in this type of world where there's a labor savings, it's it's not a true labor savings, right? Like you can put a dollar amount to it, and you can say, hey this program saves you from doing this task X amount of hours a day. But really you're not saving that hours. You're just reallocating those hours to now you can spend those hours talking to the customers or perfecting your smoothie creation art and even just, just cleaning the store and making it look nicer. True. Maybe not true. I mean, look at McDonald's. They literally have a machine for everything. They have a machine that takes the cup out of the thing puts it on a conveyor belt and fills it with ice. That's crazy to me. They have yeah. a machine for and fill, ice. And fills up the soda. And the French fries. They have a machine that throws French fries into the into the French fry basket. And I worked in plenty of kitchens growing up as my first jobs. And it just seems crazy to me. Like, wow. Like, they don't trust the person enough to dump French fries in the... It, it's not that they don't trust it. It's probably like more accuracy around measurement and there's just like a loss of, of food cost and, and stuff like that. Um, Absolutely. But that's... I mean, there's, there's, I mean, they probably... If you cut... The, um, they, I can guarantee you if you took out the automation at McDonald's, you'd have to add at least two or three more people and that costs money. True. Um, just a thought, but... The, but yes, if you can add more to the guest experience, if you can add more to all of those things, it's there's definitely a measure. There's definitely a, a value there that can be measured somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, how big is your? How, I can't remember how many locations do you, do, do, are you kind of oversee as far as keeping things working. And, so I oversee I oversee all of our locations, which is just around eighty. That's insane. The What's your staff like? Oh, my staff is a team of me, myself, and I. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. Okay, so even better, how do you do that? Give me some kind... There's got to be some kind of secret. There's got to be something like, I came in, I wanted to kill myself, and now I don't... I'm still alive. (laughs) I'm still alive, and I did this to make life better. Can you give us some secrets or something? Can you like this was yeah. the best thing I ever did, Phil? This was the best thing I ever did that really removed this off my plate. So one of, one of the easiest things I think I've done was create a system that can run completely off of my phone. <laughs> All so right. I use I use remote software unattended remote software to connect to any of my corporate employees' laptops. This way, in case they have an issue with something, I can just remote in and talk to them over the phone and fix their issue from wherever I am in the world. As long as I have an internet connection, as long as they have an internet connection, we can fix the problem. Uh, And then from a store standpoint, I've implemented the cradle point solution to all of our non-brick-and-mortar stores, our stores of in-store concepts allowing me to review what devices are connected and have a 4G, 3G connection out to the internet so that I don't have to worry about landlines going down at a store that I, I, I can't get to right away. And do, then do the you have a general, do you have a, do you have a, 
like a physical internet connection going into the back of those cradle points as well as the 3G, 4G, or is it all 3G, it's 4G? just the 3G, 4G. POS, P- POS system and everything running off of that? POS system, store tablet, store VoIP phone, all run off of a 4G, 3G box that is allowed 300 gigs per month. And there's no and we run on, And we run on a 10 over 10 internet speed. Uh, no issues. What's the 10 over 10? Is that physical or that's also, that's also 4G or 5G? Or? So that's, that's the 4G, the 4G, 5, the 4G, 3G is controlled by Verizon. Yeah. And they push down to us the ability to pull 10 gigs over 10, I'm sorry, 10 megs over 10 megs of internet speed um, for our, of the 300 gigs that, that we are allowed for that one store. How many um, how many POS like units is it one per Terminals? store? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those stores, it's mostly one per store. Sometimes it's two. It depends on the location that okay. uh, that we have it in. So that's not bad. So, so one or two terminals, yep, yep. one phone that probably never gets used hardly. <laughs> for I mean, those stores, a, yeah. And a tablet. How many tablets? Or is that the tablet? One one tablet. All right, that's a great use case ever run out of the yeah. three now but i bet you that 300 g or the 300 gigs or whatever they're giving you um, is that pooled between all the stores no that's 300 gigs per store okay so uh, each store is allowed 300 gigs and the price point was a fraction of a landline price at the same at the same oh yeah for sure yeah uh, pots line <laughs> uh really cool the, I don't even know where to go from here. So, because I was going to ask you about your team, I was going to like, so how do you coach yourself? I guess. <laughs> so I'm actually in the process of, of hiring a team member to, to help me with, with the on and off again store issues that I just can't, I, I can't get to. So like those are those printer problems or the tablet issues and things like that. Um, are you having a hard time on bigger and better things? Do, are you having a hard time finding people right now, or is it easy and you're overflowed with like applications and stuff? So I've hired several people as a director of IT, and I have to say, this time around, it's very difficult to find somebody that's looking for the work that that that's needed, right? We're getting we're getting a lot of people that are looking at an IT support specialist role and thinking that it's it's a management role that it's just they get to sit at a desk and manage their own team and features like that. Where in my market, a, a, a IT support specialist is somebody that knows all of it. Somebody that can do networking. Somebody that can do the A plus troubleshooting. Somebody that can talk to the guests or even talk to the employees about certain issues that they're having, whether it be with their phone or their tablet or their printer or their POS system. And somebody that can travel, somebody that can go from uptown to downtown to Brooklyn or drive to Vermont or Connecticut just to get the work done. Yeah, you need And that. this time around, I'm getting a lot of people that, that I don't think know what the role is for this market this time around. Mm. You need... Like a hustler, like an IT hustler. You need a Swiss, You need an IT Swiss Army knife. <laughs> yeah, I could just do it all. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. And it's hard to find. They're hard to find. Sometimes you have to take, you have to take a beat and hire somebody right out of college. That's just eager to get into the field and mold them in, into what you want. Mm. Because the, 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 the ultimate position to be right. Yeah. Uh, rather than going with somebody that is really experienced in, in a lot of different fields, but doesn't want to do the grunt work anymore. Yeah. Is every store pretty much like a carbon copy of the other? Like pretty much? Yeah. Every store in, in, in our, even, even the stores in the store concept is a pretty copy paste solution from at least a hardware perspective. So you can almost There's walk into a store and yeah. you can almost walk into a store with a guy and, and say, Hey, look, this is pretty much what every store has. Here's what's going to break. Here's what they're going to ask you. This is the stupid stuff that happens. And this is what I need you to do. Um, Correct. Except today it's in Vermont. <laughs> except today except today it's in Vermont. I mean, this week alone, I have been in Brooklyn, Manhattan, New Jersey, Virginia, and D.C. That's and cool. Just someone might like that. So you got to have to, basically, you just got to find someone that like, I need an IT Swiss you know? Army knife that's willing to travel everywhere. That should be the role title. That's nice. Yeah. Someone's going to want that. Someone's going to think that's cool. It's, it's a great job to gain a lot of experience very quickly. Cool. So we'll just, we'll use this show as an, as a free advertisement for job opening. There we well. go. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to. We'll send it out to. Um, I, I know this. We'll, we'll we'll put that out somewhere. Do they have to? Um, does it matter where they're from? Do they have to be from New York City or New York, or could they be in Vermont, or could they be in Virginia? I think they would need to be in the New York City area because most of our Central. stores are located in Manhattan. So, gotcha. gotcha. Okay, really cool. Um, the end user communication. Well, first of all, let me ask you this first, because you learned the the language of business stuff from, was it Walgreens? Did I get that right? The store manager of Walgreens, yeah. Okay. So, so you kind of, that's kind of where I learned my business speak as well. I was a creative writing major, you know, go figure. And I learned from working in retail and uh, restaurant management and, you know, kind of learning the P&L and that, that aspect like real life, you know, real life, not actual mm-hmm. education. Like why pay for a college education when you don't, everything you're going to learn is th- throw it out the window, except for how to write an email, I guess. I could take that from my English education. Or unless you're going to become a doctor or a lawyer or something like that, but that's not what I did. And do you think they could have taught what you know? In Well, you did go to college for it. Let me ask you this. This is cool. I'm very ADD, as you can tell. Where, it, did you learn anything in college that helped you when you got on the street? the IT role, or did you learn most of it in the field? I think I learned most of it in the field. You know, I, I, I'm a, uh, the way I learn is by doing. It, it's very hard for me to sit at a desk and, and read a book and, and learn from those pages. Yeah. There's not a cradle can, point. There's not a cradle yeah. point class. Yeah, there's, there's not a cradle point class. There's and not an aggregator class. Like, there's not an aggregator yeah, yeah. class. <laughs> Give me the solution. Give me the hardware. Let me sit with it for like a week and I'll know everything about it within that week. What was the hardest business question? Or if you had a business question, how do I answer? How do I ask this? The, I guess when it came to speaking the language of business or, or learning the language of business, what was maybe your biggest question or a kind of fear that you had to overcome? 
Do you remember a moment where you had to step out of your comfort zone in the business world and oh my push God, yourself? I step out of my comfort. I step out of my comfort zone every day. <laughs> you know, there, there's, oh, I mean, it, there's always going. There's always a part of my day where there's going to be a question that's asked that I am not a hundred percent of the answer, and I am by no means afraid to say. I need time to figure this out. Let me research it and I'll get back to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I will spend the next 24 hours figuring out what that answer is going to be. Reading forums, looking up uh, question, looking up Q and A's. Uh, mm-hmm. even, even if I have to read the, the, the user manual several times, I'll, I'll, I'll spend as much time as I possibly can trying to figure it out so that the next time it does come up, I have the answer right away. And that, and it, I think from a, from a like kind of technology nerdy standpoint, like that's going to come natural for you. I guess my question is, is what was, what were you, do you remember a moment where you were like literally like scared? I don't want to do this, but you forced yourself to do it anyways. And it made all the difference in the world in your career growth. For me, I can tell you it was going from a, a restaurant job where I was like the manager kind of boss and understood and was in control to a Cisco technology startup and having to um, speak to like executives and business owners and present to them. That was like out of my comfort zone. I can still remember the first time I did it and it was, you know, nerve wracking. So Outside of my comfort zone, there was a task, there was a project that I was tasked with with my last company where we were in the process of changing our ERP system. There we go. Um, ERP again. See, it's always. And here we go, right? It's always the ERP. <laughs> and we, I was tasked with finding an ERP. Uh-huh. And we, vet, we must have vetted out at least a dozen different systems mm-hmm. and ultimately landed with this one particular one that has to be really built and molded for your company. And when everything got signed and, and we're done, I'm thinking my job is done. Great. Here's your solution. Now you guys can build it because I, I'm not an accountant. I, I can't build an ERP system for you guys, right? Yeah. Um, I can help you build it by... by figuring it out, but ultimately it, it's an accountant tool and, and, and it needs an accountant's hand to really shape it. Yeah. Um, and that's when I got hit with, all right, when can you get it up and running for us? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, what? And I, I'm having to figure out our old ERP system and figure out the new ERP system and, and try to build them so that they mimic each other exporting data, exporting the, uh, the sales. And, and yeah, it, it, it took me a better part of a year that I was just driven on just, just this ERP system, building it back and forth. And then while building the ERP system, it was thrown into it. Hey, this is also a CRM system. So let's throw that into the mix too. And now I'm having to take the CRM mm. system out of what we're currently using and throw that into the system. Mm. And then Hey, this is also a commissary module as well. So let's take our commissary module. Let's just throw it all into one key. Mm. And now I'm managing three different projects of a team with two people trying to figure out how everything can, can communicate and talk. And it, it, it really took me out of my comfort zone. And there were some really, there were some struggling days of just, is this really what I want to be doing today? Yeah. Uh, because it's it's not it's it's not it's not an IT role. 
That's a Phoenix project. Um, That's like a Phoenix yeah. project. Have you read the Phoenix project? No, I have not. Okay, then we need to send you a free copy of that or something. Email me after. I need to send you. Okay. I need to. I need to like are you Audible. Are you an Audible guy? Do you listen to audiobooks? Are you driving a lot? If you do, then you, you got it. Here. So I'm driving a lot, but I, I'm I'm mainly listening to podcasts now. Great. Okay. Cool. I mean that too, but you've got to hear this because it's basically everything you just described and multiply that night, okay. multiply that nightmare by like twenty. Um, that that's the Phoenix Project. Um, it's it's like an absolute must read for any IT director or IT leader. A- absolutely, um, you'll you'll see why you'll see why real quickly. Um, it will suck you in. The okay, so excellent. What? Well, I guess what was the learning from that? Um, that no matter what title you have, the responsibilities are always going to shift and change based on the project that needs to be completed. So I need, I needed to learn to really just continuously roll with whatever project came my way and give a hundred percent of myself to it, regardless if I knew it or not, just, just figure it out and, and move on. Yes. Or you also know the, I'm assuming you know the vastness of, of what people could be asking and how simple they think this ask is, but how complicated it really is. If that makes sense. That is also true. Yeah, no, that, that, <laughs> that is true. Because Some people think, like, yeah, we just come on, man, roll it out, plug it in. Like, let's go. Yeah, just roll it out. It's, it'll be fine. It's a plug and play device, right? No, it's not. Uh, the moving Most data. plug and play devices aren't plug and play devices anymore. Huh. Yeah, the moving parts are, are will drive you nuts. It drives me nuts, at least. Like cer- certain integrations and plugins and APIs and making them work can be. There's a lot of things that can break. Um, the with that, I say so. So to bridge that, what when you go when you're when you're when you're moving up in your career, what is there anything that you, when you're interviewing for other jobs, and this is for other people out there listening, is there anything that you say or look for in an interview to know that you're in the right place? Something that I've always done with every, uh, with every company I've been with is don't be afraid to make a jump from something that's comfortable to something that's unknown. Because sometimes when you go to the something that's unknown, it, that's really where you get to, to shine. Uh Um, and then from an interview standpoint, I base whether or not I'm going to take a position on how well I'm vibing with the people that are doing the interview. Mm. Right. Because that's ultimately the people that I'm going to be working with. And if I don't vibe with them during the interview, I'm not going to vibe with them well during the workday. So it's huge for me to create some type of relationship with anybody from an interviewing standpoint, just so that I can lean back on that as, as a friendship type deal. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's like a really key question or statement or something that we can ask in an interview. I don't know that can really solidify something. So, um, when everything goes wrong and the IT system shut down and like customers can't pay and people can't buy, um, juice and 
All of that goes wrong for whatever reason, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. How are you going to treat me? <laughs> like, what are you going to say? <laughs> it's kind of like, it's like, how are we going to work together? You know, like, what's the most stress? You know, I'm just wondering what that, you know, if there's anything. That so that's can happened. Add. Yeah. So that that's happened with me at Juice Press where you know, the POS system just went down. Yeah. And we couldn't ring things up. And I got a call from my CEO and I got a call from my COO saying, Hey, what's going on? And I told them flat out, there's an issue with our POS vendor. We're all working on it. I will let you know as soon as I find something out. Well, at least it was the vendor. Yeah. At least it was the vendor. It's always the vendor. Come on now. And the vendor's like, is it your network? Is your switch plugged in? Like what? Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. And it's it's just one of those times where, and I'm sure a lot of people have this issue uh, that run cloud based solutions. When AWS goes down, it's it's a hard hit for a lot of different systems. Mm. Right? A lot of systems just stop talking, yes. and I take that I take that experience and I, and I try to learn from it. Saying, okay, if this goes down, what happens? What can we do to improve it? And how can we change the so there was no way to batch reports or still take, there was no way to take payments or batch reports or anything. There was no like standby mode or, you know, so offline mode. In the POS that I have now with this company, there's an offline mode. Okay. Um, but it only works in the sense that it needs to disconnect from the net. It needs to disconnect from the internet for offline mode to kick in. Uh-huh. Right. If you have a, if you have an actual connection to the internet, offline mode will never take. Uh-huh. But if you have an issue with your credit card reader, with the credit card system itself, but you yeah. still have an internet connection, yeah. well, then it's never going to go into offline mode. It's just going to keep failing. Right, right, right. So how do we make that change where, hey, is there a way to force it into offline mode? Or is there a way to piggyback off of a different payment type to, to, to alleviate some of the stress? Uh, there was a time that I saw not too long ago where it, the credit card system completely crashed on the store. Um, and they went into a lockbox underneath the cash register, opened it up, and they saw this ridiculously old knuckle buster credit card system. <laughs> yeah. Where they would just take someone's credit card, they'd put it on the machine, yeah. they would swipe it left to right. Yeah. And then they would just write the amount on and then they would ring it in later when the credit card machine was working. And that's how they ran until their credit card machine was back up and running. And, and I thought of that and I'm just like, how, how secure is that? Because what are they doing with all that data afterwards? Is it, is it truly a, a better method than a, than just saying, Hey, we're closed and you should never close, right? You should always find a way to, figure out how to get your product to the guest because that's old, that's, that's, that's battle, right? The guest came to you, they, they were looking for your food and you need to provide that. And the POS system that I have now, uh, we were able to design a system so that we can switch it into offline mode whenever we need to, regardless of the internet connection being bad or, or just faulty. So now everybody knows that if the internet goes down, or the credit card machines stop processing properly. We switch into offline mode. 
And we continuously ring up guests because that's what we're here for. We're here to make them happy and we're, and we're here to supply our product to them. 